Good Shepherd Sermon for Thursday, March 9, 2023. Pastor Peter Plagans. Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School is located in Wisconsin Rapids, Wisconsin, in the United States. Our mission is simple and bold. We seek to grow in faith and knowledge of our Savior Jesus. We want to make him known to others so that they too may share the joys that Jesus has won for them. Here's Pastor. The sermon text we will focus on tonight comes from Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27, beginning with verse 57. We read, Those who had arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the high priest, where the experts in the law and the elders were assembled. Peter was following him at a distance and went as far as the courtyard of the high priest. He went inside and sat down with the guards to see how it would turn out. Chief priests and the whole Sanhedrin were looking for false testimony against Jesus so they could put him to death. They found none, even though many false witnesses came forward. Finally, two came forward and said, This fellow said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and rebuild it in three days. High priest stood up and said to him, Have you no answer? What is this? These men are testifying against you. But Jesus remained silent. And the high priest said to him, I place you under oath by the living God. Tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of God. Jesus said to him, It is as you have said. But I tell you, soon you will see the Son of Man sitting at the right hand of power and coming on the clouds of heaven. And the high priest tore his robes and said, He has spoken blasphemy. Why do we need any more witnesses? See, you have just heard the blasphemy. What do you think? They answered, He is deserving of death. Then they spit in his face and punched him. Some slapped him and said, Prophesy to us, Christ, who hit you? So far, God's word. Dear Christian friends, Tonight in our evening worship, we're, we're coming again to the, the passion history of our Lord. As we progress to uh, the pinnacle of that passion, really the pinnacle of, of the scriptures, and, and in actuality, the, the pinnacle of history itself. But in the verses we, we heard and saw portrayed a little bit ago, we see really some of the, the most shocking and uh, appalling verses of that whole history. The Word of God more than once made clear that the Messiah would suffer. The prophecies of the Old Testament pointed to that clearly. Jesus himself even testified to that fact. We knew that the Messiah would suffer, but what is surprising is where that suffering is coming from. The source of that suffering tonight is the, the most hostile people, the, the most hatred that was given to Jesus came from whom? Well, it was in reality the people who would have been the, the first to, to welcome him, to believe in him, to give him glory and praise. Who are these people but the, the high priest and the, the experts in the law, the, this Jewish ruling council? So let's talk, at the, talk about the high priest, first of all. This person was to be the, the man in the entire world who would have been closest to God. On the great day of atonement, the pinnacle of the Old Testament worship calendar, he was the one who, who got to go inside the most holy place, this, this place where God's physical dwelling was on earth. He would take blood from sacrifices and sprinkle it on the mercy seat, the, the lid for the Ark of the Covenant. 
all as a picture of what the Savior would do and take away all of the sins and the guilt of the world. The high priest knew that, that this was a picture pointing ahead to what the Messiah would do. And this was just one of the many pictures that were contained in all of the ceremonies and sacrifices that happened in the temple, all of which he oversaw, all in one way or another, pointing ahead to that Messiah. So if anyone would have known and had eyes to pick out who that Messiah was and known that Jesus was the fulfillment of all of those ceremonies and sacrifices, it would be him. He would be the one to recognize this. You would expect him at a gathering like this to, to shout out at the top of his lungs, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. But what you see here is just the opposite. Instead, completely contrary to the law and with a decision already in his mind, he presides over this kangaroo court in the middle of the night that is filled with false witnesses. And when those witnesses fail in their task, then he charges Jesus to take an oath and identify himself. And as Jesus does and truthfully says that he is the Son of God, He rips his robes in rage and calls for the death sentence. That is surprising. Where is the glory that God and his Son should have from his own people, from his own representative here on earth? You don't see it here. It's hidden in this rejection by his own people. But it's not just the high priest. Think about all of the other men who were there. All of these chief priests, these leading scribes, who were all learned in the law and the promises of the Old Testament. And so much were they experts that they had memorized, word for word, large portions of the Old Testament. So what about them? If the high priest is going to be corrupt, you would expect them to speak up. Shouldn't there have been an outcry from at least a majority, if not only a select few? But no one does. There is no one who who speaks up to defend the law or the legal process, let alone Jesus himself. And it's not because they were ignorant of the situation or of who Jesus had shown himself to be. They had sent informants out to follow Jesus throughout his ministry. They knew about the resurrection of the young man from Nain and of the daughter of the synagogue ruler. They knew of the cleansing of the lepers, the healing of the blind and the deaf, the feeding of thousands. They knew about the raising of Lazarus from the dead, which happened just one week earlier. All of the evidence was there that this was the Son of God. But that didn't matter. Because they had already hardened their hearts against all that these messianic prophecies that they knew by heart had said. They had hardened their hearts against 
the Savior himself, and instead filled their hearts with hatred toward this man, Jesus, and hatred that would only be satisfied by his death. Yes, Jesus and his cross stir up hostility and hatred in shocking places. We see that among the Jews tonight, and that only continued in the narrative of Scripture. In the book of Acts, we see that hatred continue on. But it's far from limited to just them. As you would page through the the history books, you'll see that hatred continue from within the church itself. The Nicene Creed, words which, which we often recite and are aware of, were written because there were people within the church itself who had risen up and denied that Jesus was true God. The Reformation was a time when those who uncovered and faithfully taught the truth of the gospel were persecuted from at the insistence of leaders within the church itself. Even still today, Many churches who call themselves Christian want nothing to do with the message that Jesus, risen, crucified and risen, is the only way for salvation. Instead, they would rather proclaim him to be an example of love and acceptance and tolerance that we ought to follow. Some will go so far as to say that It doesn't really matter what you believe because a loving God wouldn't actually send anyone to hell. And on top of filling the world with this false teaching, just like the high priests and these Jewish leaders, they heap shame and ridicule on the Jesus of the Bible and those who faithfully proclaim his word. They'll call those who hold on to that word narrow-minded bigots who need to to get with the times or be canceled. It's shocking. It's appalling to see Jesus and his word rejected by his own then and now. But it's more than just a, a shock. This is a warning for us. Jesus told us in Gethsemane, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. There is no guarantee that we will always belong to the right church. No guarantee that your church will forever teach God's word in its truth and purity. The high priest was in the right church. The Heretics at the time of the Nicene Creed began in the right church. So what are we to do? Heed Jesus' warning. Watch and pray. Keep your eyes fixed on Christ and His Word and actively see to it that your church does too. On top of that, when we come across false teachers, or those who continue to hold on to false teaching. We have no desire to to persecute or mistreat those people. But we also have no desire to give them an audience in our churches, in our homes, or in our ears. And if they, they rise from within our own midst, we have no desire to let them stay. Jesus 
said, if you hold to my teachings, you are really my disciples. And also called us to watch out for false prophets. The uh, apostles John and Paul say repeatedly in the Old Testament that we are to have nothing to do with false teachers and their teachings. But we need to remember that all of this, this separation is done in love. Think about it this way. Imagine that there are some people who believe that rattlesnakes will not harm them. Does that make the snake any less deadly? Well, of, of course not. So would it be a, a loving thing to do to tell such people that as long as they believe that the snake won't hurt them, then they can handle or, or interact with that snake? Of course not. The loving thing to do would be to warn them of the deadly venom that that snake has and to flee from it. In the same way, we reject and separate from falsehood out of love. We love Christ and his word, word which gives us life. And we love every single person for whom Jesus died. So if anyone is holding on to anything that will harm or even destroy their saving faith in Jesus, we will warn against that deadly poison and separate from it. We love Christ and that individual too much to do anything else. But this isn't just a, a them problem. We are far from immune to this kind of falsehood creeping into our thoughts as well. We as, as individuals and as congregations need to examine our hearts in order to confess and repent of any idea that doctrine doesn't matter. To repent of any frustration or anger when error is rebuked among us. To repent of any desire to, to soft-pedal or diminish God's word in difficult circumstances. In all of these thoughts, we are turning aside from the hidden glory of the cross in favor of glory that we want to see. Perhaps glory of popularity or of convenience. We foolishly think that what we believe and confess is up to us. That like a buffet, we can pick and choose what we want in the moment. Lord, have mercy on us who are sinners. So tonight, I want you to see Jesus as he is here before the high priests, before this Jewish high court being beaten and spit on and abused by his own people. But even this rejection will not stop him from enduring this shame and continuing on to accomplish what he has set out to do. He endures all of this so that you will be forgiven, so that your sin and guilt will be removed. So as you see Jesus, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, pray that you would be filled with such love for him 
and for his word, that you willingly take up your cross and follow him. Because you can be certain that a cross is there. Just as he and his cross was rejected in the past, as you take up that cross, you will face that same hostility as you cling to him and his word. But even in that suffering, he still gives you his promises. He has promised that he will never forsake or abandon you. He has promised that even in that persecution, your knowledge of his love and his grace will only deepen and increase. And he has promised that finally, having carried that cross, you too will inherit its glory. May God grant that for each and every one of us. For Jesus' sake, amen.